I believe that everybody should love what they do because I think that if you love what you do, you're going to excel at what you do. And if you excel at what you do, the end result is going to be an excellent service or product for your customer. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. What's up, folks? Welcome to this week's episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour. Today's show is all about taking the entrepreneurial leap. And I'm not just talking about that in terms of something, you know, digital, like starting an online business. No, this is manufacturing. We're talking about starting something a little more capital intensive. In this case, a control systems integrator and engineering company. Joe Carson, the founder of Pacific Blue Engineering, jumps on today. And this company is a Long Beach-based control system integrator specializing in turnkey automation solutions, legacy upgrades, and machine safety services for manufacturers. And also, funny enough, this is the second week in a row we're featuring an alumni, or an alumnus, I should say, since I'm talking in the singular, from Rockwell Automation. They just seem to, seem to keep coming around and doing great things in the industry. Anyway, what are three things you can expect from today's show? Well, first, we're going to talk about what it's like to start your own company, like the feelings that go into it, your unwavering commitment to your team culture and customers, and a lot of things that you need to do when you're first hitting the ground and making a name for yourself. We talk about what it's like working for large versus small companies and the lessons that can be learned through both experiences. As Joe shares his stories, we'll learn about all of this through the lens of him starting Pacific Blue Engineering almost four years ago. Second, we talk about the investments Joe makes in his team and in himself. Quick spoiler alert, Joe has been trained by Tony Robbins, which is something you don't always hear about in the manufacturing sector. So we do take a dive into that. But after that, we'll talk about his morning routines and some of Joe's daily habits that help him excel at what he does. Finally, we get a little technical. We'll learn why Joe's excited for the future of automation, how the opportunities around migrating legacy control systems and Industry 4.0 are keeping him and his team plenty busy, and we'll also have a handful of stories that back all that up. Joe and Pacific Blue Engineering are doing some incredible things in California and beyond, and I think you'll really dig what Joe has to share today. I do want to let you know that it's been a little while since Joe and I recorded this interview. In fact, he was one of the first people I approached when I said, hey, I'm thinking about turning Manufacturing Happy Hour into a podcast. So before we get rolling, I do want to share some big current news. Pacific Blue Engineering just announced that they're opening a Northern California office. Like I said, they're down in Long Beach near L.A., and that's happening in December 2019, right around the time that this podcast is getting released. This means they'll be able to guarantee an engineer on site within the state of California within 24 hours of a request. Again, this is a huge move as the gang at Pacific Blue continue to grow their company, so a big congrats to Joe and the whole team. One last thing before we head down to Southern California. I always have a call to action for you, and it's the same one that it's been for the first few episodes that we've done. 
If you're loving the show, make sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes, preferably a five-star rating. Now, the rating is easy. You just have to click a little button in iTunes, but if you're going to leave a review, it doesn't have to be long either. It can be as short as one sentence. What this does is it helps get the show on the map so that other people in the manufacturing industry can learn about it and hear all the great lessons that are being shared on this show from folks like Joe. The easiest way to get there is go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. That will take you straight to Apple Podcasts, whether you're on a desktop or on your phone. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much if you take the time to do that. And now, I've been chatting for a little bit, and it's time for us to head down to SoCal. Let's go meet up with Joe in Long Beach to talk about his journey in starting up Pacific Blue Engineering. We are rolling. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to open the file because it's really smart to have your questions in front of you when you do these. I think we're all set. Well, cheers, Joe. Cheers. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Thank you. Mm. Are you able to drink okay with, with, with that mic there? Yeah, it's, uh, I'll get used to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good, good. Well, let's dive right into it. And since when we're recording this, it's like right before the holiday season. So I want to start off with uh, a topical question. So you're, you're at like Christmas dinner and you're, you're, your Uncle Frank asks you, it's like, you know, Joe, remind me again what you do. So in that context, how would you describe what you and Pacific Blue Engineering do? We are a engineering services company. We're a control system integrator mm-hmm. that automates and helps improve the manufacturing process for industrial manufacturing facilities. You know, just since we've got a lot of people in the manufacturing sector, let's take it another step further. You know, what are the areas that you'd say you guys, you guys specialize in? So the industries that we specialize in are life sciences, consumer packaged goods, you know, mm-hmm. food and beverage, uh, and entertainment and general manufacturing. It's quite the breadth. Yeah, and we're just getting started. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show because you're from from what I understand about your story so far is you've been doing this for a little over three years now, and before that, like myself, you were working with Rockwell Automation. And I'm curious, what was your background before that, and what motivated you to make the jump from a big company to starting your own systems integration business? Yeah, so I worked for Rockwell Automation for five years out of college. Rockwell Automation is a great company. I had a great time there, loved the people that I work with, and acquired certain skill sets when I was within Rockwell that were uh, marketable. Mm -hmm. And I really kind of had a desire to, to start Pacific Blue Engineering and create and grow an organization and I knew that there would never be really a right a perfect time to do that and actually you know pull the cord and um, and and just make the leap I didn't want to live with regret so I said hey you know at least if you fail go ahead and try it and um, you know if it doesn't work out at least you tried yeah Um, so it was a tough decision um, but made the decision and you know it's turning out great I'm curious, just so we bring in some perceptions on like the current state of manufacturing, was there like a market gap you saw as well where it's like, you know what, based on what I've learned, I think I can take this a step further and serve this open space right now? Yeah, you know, I I don't think there was a market gap. Mm -hmm. I think that I got some very good training and acquired, you know, marketable skill set at Rockwell Mm -hmm. and, you know, made the decision to take the risk and serve customers in another uh, aspect. 
Well, I know just to dive into your story a little bit more, you mentioned, you know, you didn't want to live with regret of maybe not having started something. There never was going to be the right time. So paint a picture for our audience out there. What was it like when, uh, you know, what was going through your head? What were those first few months going from, let's, let's be honest, a lot of structure within a large organization to something that was totally your own? You know, I remember the, the first day that I woke up, um, the day after my last day at Rockwell. Mm-hmm. You know, when I woke up, there was a strong feeling of anxiety and excitement. Yeah. It was excitement to see what the road ahead would lead to, but also a lot of anxiety because I had bills to pay and I didn't have an income right. anymore. So, you know, <laughs> you go from working like, uh, you know, five years and you wake up and you have meetings and sales calls and mm-hmm. you report to your boss and you, and you yep. have a, a certain structure and then all of a sudden that's, you know, that's gone. So I created a, an Excel spreadsheet and... I kind of itemized out, you know, all I anticipated what all my costs would be within the next several months and realized I had six months to basically survive and uh, made the decision to leave and then walked across the street to Starbucks and just started emailing and calling everybody I knew. I was very fortunate that, you know, enough distributors, customers and vendors gave me the opportunity and believed in me. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our customers, you know, from the that we have today or with us since the beginning. Yeah. And it's really cool to see that relationship grow and develop. And Mm -hmm. we take pride in taking care of our customers. And we're really fortunate that, you know, they were there for us since day one. Yeah. And like I said, three years so far, and you've had a lot of longstanding customers during this time as well. Did you have a vision for what you wanted Pacific Blue to look like right out of the gate? I think that it's always been about, you know, building a solid team and cultures, everything at Pacific Blue Engineering. You were a services organization. So our team is our product, you know, so it, it's really about developing, you know, our culture in our team. I believe that everybody should love what they do. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we really try to have a work environment where uh, everybody loves what they do, because I think mm-hmm. that if you love what you do, you're going to excel at what you do. And if you Mm -hmm. excel at what you do, the end result is going to be an excellent service or product for your customer. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I'm going to be asking you more about the culture here a little later on as well, because I know from what I understand, that's been a big thing for you, as as you were just suggesting. Sure. You know, there are a lot of people that are listening to this, probably a mix of people that work for small organizations, probably a mix of people that work for like large manufacturing organizations. What's something that, let's say, surprised you? in this process and maybe a story that helps us understand what it was like when you moved over, maybe something you didn't expect out of the gate. I think what surprised me was how significant the human element is in this business. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is just starting out, we don't have like the reputation or the resources of another large organization that we're competing against. So, you know, why would a customer go with us as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody that they know that you know has a proven track record, I really didn't expect the human element to have such a big impact. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of our customers, distributors, and partners, they kind of looked at us and they liked working with us, and they, they said, "Hey, you know, these are you know intelligent group of guys," and mm-hmm. and they wanted to, they wanted us to succeed, so they gave yeah. us that opportunity. Yep, that was one thing that you know was a lot more significant than I anticipated. 
So the human element was a big door opener for you, but you mentioned you didn't necessarily have, as with any new company, you don't have that track record. I'm sure people listening are curious when you're getting into a well-established industry like manufacturing, where the players have been around for decades and in some cases centuries, you know, let's take that a step further. What would you say your secret or a couple key things that you did to gain that track record after you had those initial opportunities? It all comes down to, you know, relationships and customer Mm -hmm. service. So we really take pride in building long-term relationships Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, a transactional project or, you know, service call, whatever it may be. So we really take pride in really trying to understand our customers' problems Mm -hmm. and try to be a resource for them to implement solutions that they may not have thought about. Yeah, things don't always unfold the way that you know we we uh, planned or anticipated. But you know we're always by our customer side when they need us. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the human element, and I'm trying to to figure out a, another way to ask this. There's a lot of ways to measure success in terms of tangible metrics like profit, anything on a P&L. What's an intangible way that you measure success, particularly around the human element and just the the rea- whether it's the reactions you're seeing from the customers, the type of engagement you're having, if anything comes to mind? You know, I think it's it just it's referral and, yeah. and repeat business. A lot of our leads come through distributors, you know, mm-hmm. and partners. Yeah. And they're not going to reference us if if they don't stand by the quality of our work, if they don't like who we are, you know, as individuals. And if they don't respect and, and can put their name behind us. So a, a lot of those referrals really, in my mind, is is a metric that, hey, you can measure that human element that, hey, you know, these guys really, you know, want to help us succeed. And as, as we're starting to wrap up this first portion of the interview, another question that was, was coming to mind as we're going through this was when someone's working for a large company versus a small company. You know, you have the opportunity to be nimble. What's something you think that large companies can learn from small organizations like yourself? You know, two things come to my mind. One is we try to be as frictionless as possible when we mm-hmm. work with our customers. So what I mean by that is, you know, we, we try to not create a lot of red tape mm-hmm. and really slow down the process for getting POs and sending quotes out and things like that. So mm-hmm. we try to make that as easy as possible for our customers. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that we're really attentive to what our customers' needs are because we have to be. You know, we don't have the luxury of you know, having a Rolodex of projects and, you know, repeat customers. So we, the customers that we work for, we really truly appreciate and are grateful for all of those opportunities. So we try to hold on really tight and make sure that, you know, we're really making sure that we're providing a a good solution and taking care of them. So we're probably a little bit more attentive to their needs than maybe Mm -hmm. a larger organization might be. Yeah. No, those those both make a lot of sense. And two final questions for this first half of the interview. I'm curious, during this time, I'd love you to give us, and this, these, this is the two parts of the question, what is, if I can ask, maybe a low point, lesson you had to learn through a challenge and what you learned from that? And then just so we wrap up on a positive note, I'd love to hear a positive story that might have surprised you or one of your highest highs during your time here at Pacific Blue. In regards to a low point, I would just say that when you first start out, you know, I can't think of a specific event, but in general, 
it, it can be a very lonely and uncertain road because it's hard to go to for somebody for direction and, mm-hmm. and advice because you don't have management and yeah, you could ask, maybe you have a friend that started a business or, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you know, somebody else, but it might not be necessarily in the same business that, that we're in the same industry that we're in. So you kind of have to find a lot of answers on your own and, yeah. and you don't really have a lot of support. At least I felt like I didn't. Sure. So, th- so that was kind of a, a little bit of a challenge, uh, really across the board. And then what was your other question? I forgot. <laughs> uh, just, you know, a, maybe a story that maybe highlights one of the, the best parts about the time that you've been here at Pacific Blue. Oh, man. So, you know, it all comes back to the team. You know, it's all about mm-hmm. the team. And yep. I think one of the highlights is we recently had like a bonfire down at Crystal Cove. Cool. And we had the whole team there. And it's like, you know, we're looking around and we're like, man, this is this is awesome. Mm-hmm. We're growing and, and we're able to, you know, support everybody. And we're like family here, you know, because we're a small organization. And, yeah. and everybody brings a unique skill set to the table. So mm-hmm. it's just really cool. And more people are coming on board and, and we kind of welcome them to the family yeah so that's that's definitely the, the coolest thing for sure love it well i've got some more questions around the team here and then some more questions around your perceptions on what's going on in the manufacturing industry in general but we're going to take a quick break we will be right back this episode of manufacturing happy hour is sponsored by audible Audible is the largest library for audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. And because you are a listener of this fine show, you can cash in on a free audiobook when you start your trial with Audible. That is a $15 value. To do that, all you need to do is head to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And here's why I think it's important. I'm recording this episode during the Thanksgiving break. I'm home in St. Louis, Missouri doing this intro right now. And if it weren't for Audible and let's be honest, podcasts like this, I might have had nothing to listen to while I was traveling. No, it's a bit overdramatic, but I'll give you a real-world example. I am currently finishing up Never Split the Difference, which is a fantastic book of negotiations thanks to Audible. Great book. Learn about tactical empathy. Not going to go into that too much detail now, but anyway, I'm learning more things about negotiations, the industry, business, every time I'm on the road thanks to my Audible subscription. Again, if you're interested in checking out Audible, you can get a free audiobook by going to the website audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And now, back to our interview with Joe Carson at Pacific Blue Engineering. All right, back for round two. We should probably cheers it up before we get cheers. going. All right. Hmm. I know I mentioned this before the interview, but picking Pacifico to drink during this discussion was highly strategic based on the name. I'm curious, you know, actually, you mentioned this before, but where where's the name Pacific Blue Engineering come from? And do people call you Pacific Blue and just shorten it that way? Or do you are you really do you have a preference around Pacific Blue Engineering? So the, the name of the company is Pacific Blue Engineering. Uh, some people call us Pacific Blue. Some people call us PBE. OK. Um, I, I shorten it to Pacific Blue. Yeah. Where the name came from is I was l- searching a ton of names and I kind of just came across this name and I just loved it right away. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously being in LA, 
Pacific Ocean's right next to us. And, yeah. you know, a little bit corny, but the Pacific Ocean's, if you didn't know this, the deepest ocean in the world. And I wanted it to represent the depth of talent that we have at the team. I love that. So. I love that. Well, Joe, that's a great segue because we, we were talking about it a bit at the end of the first part. But I'm curious, you know, as far as the team goes, you mentioned having that culture is one of the strongest assets you have. How do you invest in your team and how do you invest in yourself to help you guys be the best you can in the business? You know, we try not to pigeonhole people in certain roles and, and responsibilities. I think that everybody is different and I think everybody, you know, somebody might excel in one area, somebody else might excel in, in another. Mm-hmm. So, so we try to put everybody in a position that they'll succeed. Also training is huge for us. So, you know, we mm-hmm. make sure that everybody's required to take formal training every mm-hmm. year. Being as a technical services company, we have to stay on top of the latest and greatest products. So yeah. you know, we, we invest heavily in training and we pull our guys out of the field and send them to a formal training class. And, you know, it's working out great. One other thing we were talking about during the break and something kind of I, I observed over the past couple of years before you and I were able to reconnect here was that as far as your own personal investment and something I found very interesting because you're in the manufacturing industry is you've done some work with Tony Robbins up to this point. When I think Tony Robbins, and I'm interested for you to provide a counterpoint, you know, I think people that are trying to be a life coach or, you know, financial coaches, whatever it is, I'm interested how that has played into your development and how you've seen it as a valuable asset for you as a manufacturing industry professional. Oh yeah. I, you know, I, I love Tony Robbins. He's a big mentor of mine. Um, and he's a friend, whether he knows it or not. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. You know, like Tony Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins, Les Brown, uh, you know, Eric Thomas, David Goggins. I'm very big into self-development. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that a, a lot of the what these guys teach can improve aspects to all, all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that I got out of Tony Robbins was that your physiology mm-hmm. can change your psychology. Okay. And that's why we have a trampoline in our office, if you haven't I noticed that. I noticed that, yeah. So, it's right outside your, you know, uh, your office here. <laughs> you know, before a big uh, meeting or something like that, you know, we'll jump on the trampoline and get the blood flowing and pump our chest a little bit. So, All right. you know, we, li- we like to, you know, stay energetic. And, you know, in our industry, it can be very challenging both from a Mm -hmm. technical and a commercial standpoint because you know our customers are running production and and downtime Mm is really unanticipated downtime is is not good yeah Uh, so you know when we get called to site usually for service calls at least it's um very high pressure situation Mm -hmm. You're, you're troubleshooting a very difficult technical problem and also it's very high pressure from a commercial standpoint because you have five people standing behind you asking you if you figured it out yet. Sure. So being able to maintain your composure yeah, and really, uh, you know, from a, a physiological standpoint, it translates to psychological. So, yeah. you know, make sure before we go to, you know, service calls and stuff like that, you kind of pump up the chest a little bit yeah. and get prepared and ready to go. Get the, get the blood flowing, endorphins yeah. firing off. So, I love that. Yeah. Is, is there any other, you know, since, since we've got folks listening in, do you have any other actionable advice? I love that physiology impacts psychology, but any other things that you've picked up from your personal development that you think other folks can implement in their lives? Yeah, you know, an, another thing is what Tony Robbins calls the RPM, results, purpose, and in, uh, in, in taking massive action. Okay. So what is the result 
that you're trying to achieve or what's the goal you're trying to achieve, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, you're about to get on a, a conference call, yeah. whether you're about to call, you know, a colleague, mm -hmm. what, what are you, what are you trying to achieve from this call? Mm -hmm. And then what's the purpose? Why are you trying to achieve this call? And then what actions are you going to take to achieve your outcome? Cause having that structure, um, I think will, will help you get you, get you where you need to be. Yeah. So, so almost if I'm going to simplify this a little bit, but going into every activity very deliberately with that action oriented purpose. Exactly. Cool. Yep. Well, I'm going to, I'm sure I can find a link to some of that somewhere. If yeah. I can, I'm going to pop it in the show notes here. Cause that's a pretty cool, cool resource. I'm going to shift things up a little bit. We've talked a lot about your background. We've talked a lot about the people on your team. You know, one thing we haven't dove into yet is just the manufacturing industry in general. And I'm curious, we both see a lot of different industries and elements within manufacturing, within the work we each do. But, you know, what are, what are some of the biggest opportunities and maybe challenges you see on the horizon for manufacturers and maybe something that you are personally excited about as well? Yeah, so... The first PLC was uh, invented in the 1960s. Yeah. And it started to be mass produced in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. So that, that's not that long ago. And, you know, we have there, a lot of our customers, their manufacturing facilities are still running these legacy PLCs. Yeah. And a lot of our customers, you'll go to their facility and it, it'll be that one panel that nobody touches because if you open it up, you know, nothing's labeled. There's no wire labels. It's, it's a PLC that nobody's ever seen before. Nobody mm -hmm. has the program. So there's a lot of opportunity to upgrade legacy hardware mm -hmm. and bring it to the latest and greatest technology. Yeah. And, and this is going to continuously happen as time progresses because what's the latest and greatest right now is obviously you know going to become obsolete in a matter of times i mean just look at how we upgrade our cell phones every year or two mm -hmm. um it's you know very similar in the automation yeah uh, no absolutely process. and there's there's a testament to some of that older equipment given how long it's been been running in terms of its ability to withstand decades of abuse yeah. inside of some of these facilities but you're right you know as with any like you said the cell phone example is great because with any new phone that comes out there are newer capabilities you can take advantage of to be more productive like you can still make phone calls and send text messages essentially the same way but there are other things you can do to enhance that yeah and you know i would say another challenge or opportunity i guess is um a big buzzword over the past, you know, several years has been, you know, the connected enterprise mm -hmm. and the automation world. I, I feel like it's very young because mm -hmm. of the first PLC came out, you know, just 40 years ago. So, you know, a lot of these devices are becoming uh, exponentially smarter yep. and more connected. Mm -hmm. And with that comes information. Mm -hmm. And with the connected enterprise or, you know, these smart devices and all this additional information, we're able to extrapolate this information for our customers mm -hmm. and organize it in a way that they can use to make intelligent business decisions right. about their manufacturing process. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's that's another uh thing that we're excited about and helping our customers oh, you know, for sure. move the needle forward. Well, the two really go hand in hand in a lot of ways. You know, you're moving from legacy equipment to that newer equipment, which let's be let's be honest, a lot of it's going to have those smart capabilities built in and the ability to connect with an enterprise the way you were describing. 
I'm, I'm curious, just to put it put it on kind of a personal note, what are some of the things that you either have been doing or are, you know, have been preparing yourself to address these type of opportunities in the industry here at Pacific Blue? I think it's two things. I think internally it's training. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, we invest heavily on training. Mm -hmm. So it's making sure that our guys know, are aware, understand, and know how to implement the latest and greatest solutions. Mm -hmm. And I think the other piece is education. Yeah. You know, being able to educate our customers because they rely on us as the industry experts. Mm -hmm. So they may not really understand some of the capabilities that are out there and what we can do for their facility. No, ab absolutely. Let me ask this. Like, do you have a project that comes to mind or something that you've done? No need to share like specific names or anything, but areas where you've kind of started getting involved in these type of technologies? Yeah. So we, we have a customer that has this equipment in like the back of their facility and mm -hmm. it, it was, it's running on an older, or it was running on an older PLC. And they didn't have personnel in that area 24-7. So they would have like a maintenance or, or an operator walk back there every X amount of hours. Mm -hmm. um, and what was happening was they were getting these random faults. Yeah. And, and the fault would just be like a red light. There's, mm -hmm. there's no information on what, what caused the fault and things like that. And sometimes they would be down for half an hour, an hour before you know, they discovered that the line was faulted because nobody's working back there. Mm -hmm. um, so we upgraded the PLC. We gave them a little bit uh, more information in regards to what kind of faults uh, they were. Um, mm -hmm. So a little bit more granularity, like, hey, you know, it faulted because this sensor, um, you know, is bad or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it gave them a little more granularity so they knew what the issue was. Yeah. And also we gave them the ability where, uh, when a fault occurred, it would send okay. a text message yeah, yeah, yeah. to their maintenance team. Yep. So they would head back there immediately mm -hmm. and um, and resolve the issue. So yep. instead of being down for an hour, you know, now they get a text message, they head back there and you know, yeah. and they see exactly what the issue is and take care of it. Well, the coolest thing I, I think about that, I shouldn't say the coolest, but one of the awesome elements about that is you're starting to do the things you do in your everyday life and you're bringing that into manufacturing. Exactly. I think we're going to see more and more of that. And the text message type solution is a perfect example of that because when I need an alert about something important, like let's say like my flight is delayed out of LAX, for example, we're not too far from there right now. That's the best way for me to get that information because it bumps right there. And I know, unfortunately, all of a sudden I have an issue at that point. But yep. Um, no, I, lo I love that parallel. Anything, I guess, anything else you wish I would have asked you about the industry that uh, that you're excited about or that you think Pacific Blue is going to knock it out of the park in? Maybe what one of my most memorable moments were at I'd love Pacific that. Blue. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we, we take pride in building long-term relationships with, with our customers. So we'll do whatever it takes. And, you know, this one time we were on a... Uh, a pretty intensive commissioning project for one of our customers and you know I was with another engineer and and you know we were coding all night long I mean we were working like 26 hours in a 24-hour day mm -hmm. you know non-stop mm -hmm. and I remember just like we both fell asleep at our laptops <laughs> you know and, and it was like two in the morning and, and I you know we kind of wake up and I'm like uh, I'm like you know, I, I look over and I'm like, you know, this is what it's all about. Like, it's about camaraderie in, in our in our team. And, you know, we have such a strong team. It's just really amazing. And I'm really proud of these guys and really grateful that, that they're a part of this team. So, yeah, 
No, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I think that uh, reminds me of college more than anything. But yeah. yes, we've all been there at 2 a.m. before getting, yeah. getting the work done and falling asleep in a non-optimal position in, in more ways than one, both physical and the, uh, the I should say, the emotional state of where you're at at that point. <laughs> on that note, I'm, I'm kind of on that note, I should say. But, you know, as far as most memorable moments go, that's an example of you like just trudging it out, getting the work done super late. What's a ha- like, let's say a, a healthier habit of yours that you do on a daily or regular basis that keeps you sharp, that, that might be a good actionable piece of advice for the folks listening out there oh that's easy um you know every every morning up at 4 30 a.m and yeah you know at the gym at 5 a.m every single day and have to hit the gym because you know i think that having a productive morning both you know i spoke earlier about physiology Mm -hmm. right and i Mm -hmm. think having a very productive and active morning i'm done working out at you know 6 30 6 a.m and most people are still sleeping and, and i feel great and i'm ready to tackle the day so it helps me big time and you know i would highly recommend you know waking up you know you might not have to hit the gym but mm-hmm. you know do some stretches or go on a walk or something yeah yeah no i i hear you i i mean i was up at 4 30 this morning but that was to get in the car and drive all the way from san francisco down here but admittedly i'm an, an evening workout person but what i do in the morning is i do at least some push-ups and some sure. sit-ups and some ab workouts just to just to get the energy flowing because i yep. do think that's an important part of a morning routine and to tag along with that, I think that when you wake up, if you think about your day from the standpoint of what am I trying to accomplish that day, yep. and then and then you think about what you're grateful for, mm-hmm. um, it kind of puts you in the right mindset to have a very positive and productive day. Yeah. So I try to get that done every day. And yeah, actually, did you did you want to keep going on that? Or no, I was going to uh, say one more thing. Okay. Okay. If, if you look over, you see an hourglass <laughs> yeah. next to oh, us. Yeah. There's yeah, also yeah. there's also I have an hourglass on my on my bed's um, my nightstand. Yeah. And you know, and, and that's uh, more symbolic for me is is you know you sleep six hours a day that gives you 18 hours so you only have 18 of those a day yeah so you know it's really important to make sure that you're making the most of your time no i i love that i think um actually it's funny that you mentioned not only like what do you want to get out of the day but also what are you grateful for i'll just throw it out there too there's a tool i use called the five minute journal which it's got three things you're grateful for three things that would make the day awesome and then one affirmation which for anyone listening that's not familiar with an affirmation, it's basically something something nice you say about yourself, but kind of a vision statement in terms of, you know, I want to be the biggest integrator in the state of California, if I'm maybe talking from the perspective of Pacific Blue. But well, that, that would be the U.S., though. Oh, the U.S. Gone, okay, so, yeah. okay. I love, I, I love that. <laughs> I love that ambition. So anyway, I'll leave some links to these uh, tools we've been talking about in the show notes. But we're getting to the end of our interview today, so I do want to make sure I, I, I wrap up appropriately. What's next for you in Pacific Blue Engineering? Like circling back to the gratefulness, like honestly, we're really, really grateful for everything that our customers, distributors, vendors, and partners have done for us. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So we're just going to continue to try to execute for them and, mm-hmm. and try to develop and grow new relationships. Love that. And then as you're doing that, just so the folks out there that are learning about Pacific Blue for the first time, you know, what's the best way to find and connect with you guys, whether that's on the web or social media? Yeah, so the, the best way to, to follow along our journey and see the nonsense that we do, uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I think you just type in Pacific Blue Engineering. And, Perfect. You know, follow us. And we like to post some cool things about our team. So 
Well, you actually, I've, that's where I've kind of been keeping track of your journey. I know it's been, it's gosh, it probably has been three years since, since you and I have chatted, but I will make sure to link up to LinkedIn for everyone listening out there. In the meantime, Joe, thank you so much for being here on Manufacturing Cheers. Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, this is a blast. And for those of you out there, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we'll see you again here on Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening, and a big thanks to Joe and the whole gang over at Pacific Blue Engineering for being a part of Manufacturing Happy Hour. I have to say, and you might have caught it while you were listening, we did record this episode almost a year ago, and that's when the idea for the podcast first came about. So, Joe, man, I'm sorry it took me so long to get this episode out there, but I have to say I'm excited for all the cool things I'm hearing about at Pacific Blue Engineering right now. Got to mention it again. These guys just expanded with a Northern California office. and They're going to be able to offer an engineer within 24 hours of request across the state of California. So Joe and the whole team over at Pacific Blue Engineering, best of luck as you continue your quest to become the biggest systems integrator in the United States. Love that ambition. Anyway, if you want to look up any of the resources mentioned in today's episode, make sure you head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com for the show notes page where you can get access to all of that. More importantly, and my primary call to action is if you're loving the show, if you loved this episode and you want to let us know, make sure to head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. You can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you straight to Apple Podcasts, whether you're on your computer or on your phone. It's easy to leave a five-star rating. You just click a little button to do that, but make sure you hit the leave a review as well because that allows you to put some words in there as short as one sentence it doesn't need to be anything complex could be like man joe carson's really cool i loved hearing about what they're doing at pacific blue engineering that's just an example but like i said does not need to be complex again head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash itunes to review it up One final thank you to our sponsor today, Audible. Again, Audible is the largest resource for audiobooks and spoken word entertainment, and you can claim a free audiobook by starting your trial subscription using the website audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. Now, Joe mentioned a little bit about his work with Tony Robbins, and as an example of something you could listen to on Audible, Tony Robbins has a ton of books out. Some of his most popular have been Money, Master the Game, Unshakable, Your Financial Freedom Playbook. A lot of his are around investing and personal finance and things along those lines. I've heard good things, never actually read them myself, but if you're like, man, I've been meaning to read one of those Tony Robbins books for a while, well, now is your chance to do it. Again, head over to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod to claim your free audiobook. And thanks to the folks at Audible for sponsoring this show. That's it for this week. We've got some cool special interviews coming up. I'm not going to give you any spoilers this time, but another episode is right around the corner. So with that, again, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you here back at Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Cheers. for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.